1: Foundations. The other point is, is that Jesus just said that the God of the Old Covenant is good. Yeah. So for the believer at least, that should settle it. You may not understand everything about the God of the Old Covenant, but Jesus said he's good.
0: Foundations, understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. If you ask a Christian, is God good, the automatic response would be yes. But uh, atheists and agnostics and others would say no because God has commanded some things to be done that we would say are not loving, kind or gracious and therefore God can't be good. So the next couple of programs are going to see if that judgment against God is fair.
1: That's generally the accusation or the wall that you come up with whenever you have a conversation with somebody who doesn't believe in God or it's that the, particularly the God of the old covenant was so brutal and bloodthirsty. And when you read some of the events that took place, you kind of go, well, I can I can understand where they're coming from. But there's always so much more to it than that. Now, there's a growing number of uh, church denominations and Christian movements around the world that have changed their official policies regarding all manner of moral and spiritual issues and even political issues as well. Uh, For example, as we know, the view on marriage between a man and a woman to the exclusion of all others is now being questioned and no longer held as sacrosanct by some church Mm. denominations, not all. Divorce is becoming accepted as commonplace in many denominations. Um, There are some who won't even use the word sin because it's negative and they think that because God is so loving, he doesn't want to make people feel bad about sin. Where once no church leader would ever have questioned God as being absolute creator, now evolution is being accepted as the way that we've come to be created, which questions um, the Genesis account and they just put it off to being poetry. Uh, There are some seminaries that don't teach that the Bible is the infallible word of God um, or that it's just a man-made book, that you can't really consider it to be the source of absolute truth and that if you do believe it to be the source of absolute truth, well, that's the height of ignorance or arrogance on our part. Shocking as it is, there is a growing number of seminaries and church leaders who, again, believe that the Bible is just a man-made book, that it's not divine in its authorship. They don't believe the miracles that are listed in the Bible. They think they're just folklore. Again, they deny the creation. They deny the virgin birth. They deny the resurrection, the substitutionary atonement of Christ. You Mm. kind of scratch your head and go, but I thought you were a Christian. How can you... How can you say you're a Christian if you actually deny all of these yeah. fundamental, foundational tenets of the Christian faith?
0: Something that you're fairly passionate about is, uh, of course, the land of Israel, and a lot of them are denying, I guess, the Bible's commitment yeah. and stand for Israel as well.
1: Yeah, to the point where there are many denominations, and unfortunately growing, where they, if they have um, d- national denominational. Um, financial investments in certain companies that either either Jewish-owned or Israeli-owned, they're divesting them mm. um, because and they're literally boycotting or lobbying against the nation of Israel, which I just find abhorrent in the extreme, particularly when God has promised over and over and over and over and over and over and over again that he is for his people, not for their sin, but then he's not for anybody's sin, yeah, right. whether it be Israeli or Australian. So I find that really quite um, incredible. But then you've got those who are either atheist or agnostic who, who have genuine questions about what they see as a bloodthirsty, tyrannical view of God presented in the Old Covenant. And,
0: and I guess when you've got a just a general view of the Bible, you might pick up on a couple of those stories and just you know write everything off to, oh, well, God can't possibly be good because... X.
1: Exactly. but And that you've actually just got right down to the crux of this. God can't be good. So the question is, is God good? And again, we would automatically just say yes, but, but could we validate that? Could we prove that? And so then where do we go to find out if God is good?
0: Well, one place to go, of course, is to the scriptures and uh, particularly to the <laughs> exactly. words of Jesus, because there was yeah. an interesting little exchange in Luke where... Yes. Uh, The ruler came to him, the rich young ruler, and asked him that question. This is in Luke 18, where the rich young ruler questioned Jesus saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded and said, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone.
1: Okay, so there's a couple of points in there that are very interesting. We know that God is good. We also know that Jesus is good and Jesus said, but only God is good alone, which means he must be God. Mm. Okay, so he's kind of saying it without saying it. But the other point is is that Jesus just said that the God of the old covenant is good. Yeah. So for the believer at least, that should settle it. You may not understand everything about the God of the old covenant, but Jesus said he's good. So that's the end of it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But you've still got to be able to tackle these difficult questions. Now, if you read through most of the old covenant, God warned his people that judgment was coming unless they repented. And then when the judgment finally did come, it was always with the promise that in spite of what they had done, that in spite of how depraved they'd been, God would always eventually restore his people. And it Oftentimes it was actually the judgment itself, the discipline, the consequences that God warned them was coming that would actually be the turning point for them. So you could actually look at the judgment as being an act of grace and mercy. Mm, That's right. Ultimately
0: it was about God wanting to bring that restoration, wasn't it, so that he uses some of those tough situations for that reason. And so we read in Hosea chapter 3 where God is speaking to Israel and he says afterward, and of course this is after some discipline, Mm -hmm. afterward the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they'll come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days.
1: So isn't that amazing? They're saying that the people of Israel are going to come back to the Lord to his goodness after he's disciplined them, after Mm. he's judged them. See, we... When, as a parent, you and I both know this, when your children go off the rails and they do something wrong, we discipline them. Why do we discipline them? Because we hate them? Because we think they're rotten little cretins? (laughs) No, it's because our heart is so filled with love that we want, one, we want the best for them, two, we want success, we want them safe. Mm. We don't want them wandering off into danger that could put their lives on the line. So a consequence, why do you think we have a judicial system that says if you do certain things, the consequence is going to be yeah. a certain way and that is to deter you from doing the wrong mm. thing. But if you do it, the consequence is going to be on you.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: And and on that subject of um, our, our own human judicial system, why is it, Robbo, that we have a judicial system that says, You do this, this and this and the consequences are going to be that, that and that. Now, if a criminal was brought into a court of law and the judge just let him walk out after committing some crime, we would say the judge was negligent, he was corrupt that he just disqualified himself, that he had no right to be there, that he was a disgrace, that he was basically lawless. Mm. We would be infuriated by that. In fact, when we see those kind of injustices, we get upset and we go, what's happened to the judicial system? Why is it then that when we know the whole of humanity is sinful and wicked, that we expect God to behave like a bad, corrupt, negligent judge and just let us all go scot-free? Why is it we have a standard for God which we expect nothing but forgiveness and grace and mercy and no consequences yet we claim him to be good and perfect but we have a standard that we expect human judges who are weak and flawed and sinful themselves to uphold a a perfect standard of justice Why? Why the double standard?
0: So we'll endeavor to answer that question next time on Foundations as we continue looking at the question of whether or not God is good